Good morning. Great to see all of you today. Hope you're getting everything done for Christmas. Well, we've been talking about something better. And we've been talking about the story of Christmas that we've all heard a gazillion times. And, and, um, but I am learning that the more I center myself on God and what God is doing in my life through the Christmas story, really through Jesus, that there really is something better that he can bring into your life. And we've been, we've been talking about that. We've all tried to do things something better. Like for some of us, we're buying Christmas presents that are not really Christmas presents. They're like home improvement presents. It's kind of like when you and your wife get a refrigerator, a new refrigerator, and you upgrade for the one better than the one that you were going to buy and say, well, why don't we just kind of use a Christmas present? Or you take a trip and you've got that planned out. So for a lot of us, we use Christmas as a something better. Or we put a lot of hope in Christmas that this Christmas is going to be different and we're going to, this is going to be better and we're all going to get along and we're not going to be fighting at the end of it. And so we, we use so many things. It's almost like art. It's almost like being a painter, that you have this canvas and, and then we're all given a canvas and that we all try to paint something better on there, something better for our lives. We switch out marriage partners. We, we buy another house. We um, Cars. Uh, um, I use all kinds of things. Uh, materials, paints, oils, watercolors, all kinds of things to try to paint something better into my life. And maybe you're like me, and you've, you've made those colossal over and over and over and over mistakes because you thought this something new would be the something better. You know, I, I looked through my whole life at all the things that I was going to use. This woman was going to be, make my life something better. This job. Um, it may be unlike you, for me, it took me into maybe this cocaine is going to make me something better. And, and I will tell you, for about three hours, it felt like something better. Maybe, maybe this weed, maybe, the, maybe this job, maybe this degree, maybe this whatever it may be, that this is going to be my something better. And the only thing I've learned after 63 years of life is that, first of all, there's nothing on the earth that can sustain the pressure of having to be your something better. And also nothing on the earth can pull it off. You know, if you're putting it on your spouse, that you have got to be, you got to make me a good man. You know, if, that you can't do that. There's got to be something that's enduring and lasting. And that's why the Christmas story is absolutely so important because it is the true something better about what God gives to us. See, the Christmas story has got to do something something real, something that is substantial. Because we've advertised Christianity as being, you gotta have Jesus in your life. We advertise it as something better. So it can't just be superficial, it can't just be something that, you know, makes it so that you stop using the F word or you don't drink so much or, um, you know what I mean? These kind of like uh, superficial changes to the, to the surroundings. But it's gotta be something that goes deep because you go deep. It's got to be something that lasts because you want to last. It's got to be something that goes inward because there's a part of you that's inward. And so God gives us something better. And for me, what I've discovered is that it fundamentally changes our expectation of life. That's something better. My car doesn't do that for me. Um, it changes how we interact with each other, how we get along, how we talk, how we forgive. That's something that is something better. It changes how I think about myself. You know, I was, I was sitting in a, somewhere today and after the first service, and after the first service, I am no different than you. No different than you. After the first service, I was sitting and thinking, you really suck at this. You really need to get another job. <laughs> I mean, it's like, there are so many people that can do this job better than you. You really need to, you really need to just, you know, Get out of the way, let some, some young person do this job or uh, somebody that has, doesn't use bad words as much, you know, or doesn't wrestle with thoughts in their heads. But here's what I have found about Christianity is that it begins to change how you think about yourself. That's why I'm up here during the second service because I fundamentally change the way that I think about myself based upon who Christ is, based upon what God did in Christmas, the life that he gave me. And every one of us, needs something substantial. No fancy hat, no shopping at some store, no $1,000 purse is going to change how you think inside of your head for very long. 
but you need something better. So when I went looking for something better, I, it had to change the way that I think about myself. It had to change the way that I think about God, you know, because most of us don't have really good God thoughts. And then it had to do something with the universe because the universe isn't friendly. It isn't nice. It doesn't play well with kids. And it, it's really just, it's, it can be harsh. It can be mean. There's friction and entropy and all these other things. And, and it's like, I need something better that speaks to the issue of the universe as well. Basically, what I'm saying is that it's got to bring meaning and purpose uh, into our lives. Mary and Joseph were going about their daily business of life when God presented them with something better, something, something into their life. Um, the Magi, the wise men in the story, were presented with an idea that God was doing something, and they, they, they rerouted their lives from the east and moved towards Bethlehem because they wanted this something better, that something better doesn't just drop onto your lap, but it is something that is being offered to us by God, and we have got to decide that we're willing to leave our current path to encounter the something better. And that's what God is doing in this Christmas story. The shepherd said, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. A government will rest upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. You know, I, I almost should make a living test driving cars. I test drive cars that I have no intentions of buying just because I love cars, okay? I, and I know some of you are gonna send me an email, Pastor Paul, we're not supposed to love cars, we're supposed to love Jesus. It's like, come on, understand, you know, I love, I love hot dogs, I love cars, and I love Jesus. And they're like in that order, okay? So he's up the top, but, uh, and, and, and so for a lot of us, uh, it's like you think a car can deliver you something. But listen to what, what, the, what is said in scripture, that from Jesus, we get a wonderful counselor. We get mighty God, we get eternal father, we get prince of peace. So many of us have been told that God just wants to fry all of us. He wants to burn us. You know, that his intention towards us is get it right or go to hell. But yet we find out that the language of God is, is like, I wanna counsel you through life. I wanna, I, I wanna be your eternal father. I wanna be, I wanna prince peace into your life. And it's like, wow, I don't know where you get that, anything better, any offer that is greater than what God offers us through the story of Jesus. Jesus connects us. He connects my life to my earth and to, and to God's heaven. It's like most of us are just kind of like, you know, we focus on the biology of life and origins of the species, and it's like, we try to explain earth life. And then I don't know if we've done it right or not. I, you know, I can't prove to you whether or not, is it evolution or isn't it evolution? And we, we, we're trying to find some sort of meaning looking into the microscope, and, and it's like, but just because if we figure out what happened on the earth doesn't mean my life is connected to earth, and it doesn't mean that heaven's connected to my earth or my life is connected to heaven. It's like, it, it doesn't fix anything, but when all of them get connected together, that my life, my earth experience, and my heaven destiny are all connected because of something better? Where are you getting this offer elsewhere? Or you could put it this way, my origin, my belonging, my perpetuity, is that when I came to Christ, when I came to God, I am more than just connected to the genealogy of my father, my Irishness, my Italianness. Um, I am connected to a greater origin. I'm connected to a heavenly father. I'm connected to, um, I, I'm connected to belonging. I'm a part of something. I'm part of a family where I'm cherished by, by God and, and, and in part by people like you. And then, I'm, then not only that, but my life goes on. Perpetuity, it's, it's like it lasts. You mean when we shove you in the grave, it, you don't just end. It's like, no, I continue. Like, where else do you get something better that is possibly going to offer this? I tell you what, the more I just even say this out loud, this should, this should like, like wives, you need to lighten up on your husband, okay? Because he can't pull this off. Um, 
dad, I mean, kids, normally we speak for, against dads, but kids, lighten up on your dad a little bit, all right? Because he can't pull this off either. Um, just think about all the things that you put pressure on to bring this into your life. It can't. And so when you all of a sudden discover it in God, it not only frees you to encounter this, but it frees everybody else of the responsibility of having to pull this off. Then you get to enjoy them. When they screw up, when they make mistakes, they're a little weird, you know, it's like, it's okay, it's all right. And, but all this comes from the something better of God. So today we're gonna to talk about how we need to protect this something better because Mary and Joseph had to protect it. That even though God gave them a plan, they had to, um, they had to walk through this, this moment. And you're gonna see, I'm gonna create some tension for you. And the scriptures is actually going to do it. It's gonna create some uneasiness over the next five to 10 minutes with you because it's going to expose a fallacy of maybe a philosophical way you think about Christianity. But let me read it to you. And when they saw the star, referring to the Magi, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then, excuse me, <clears throat> I cough when I <clears throat> get emotional, so it doesn't look like I'm getting emotional. <clears throat> so I'm just coughing. <clears throat> Uh, when opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now, normally when you read a, a Bible story, you, you kind of, your eyes drop on certain phrases or certain concepts, you know, oh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh you know, treasures, you know, things like that. But it's interesting, the phrase, by another way, piqued my interest. They had to go back a different way. See, after receiving something better, they had to go back another way. The way that they came was no longer acceptable. But I'm finding out that it really is always that way. You can't just continue the same way when you get something better. Let me just take you back a little bit into my bachelor days. And I, I don't know if this uh, applies to women, uh, but it, it applies for most men. So before you got married, you stayed out all night. This is what your apartment looked like, okay? You hung out with your buddies. You didn't have to clean up your empties, you just left them there for the following morning or the next morning or the morning after that. You flirted and danced with whoever you wanted to when you were out. You didn't have to worry about who you talked to. You could dance with anybody. You could go out to dinner with anybody that piqued your interest. And there was nothing, you know, wrong with that. Then the other thing is you didn't have to wash dishes except for once a week. Ever have that apartment? I mean, it's like you just stack them up. That's why, see, it's a dude that invented the sink with two sides. You, it, it wasn't so that you could do one thing and this other. No, it was so that you could get a whole week's worth without washing any of them. Because that's how I use it. You just fill it up and you go a whole week. And you can do that. That can be the way that you travel. And this may be a little personal, but I'll just tell you how it was. Um, you don't have to pick up and wash your underwear. Um, what I did when I was dating, and this could be really nasty, but it was like, uh, you know, I just let them sit there. And then um, if I didn't want to do laundry, so I just throw them away, you know, after a week or so. I have to admit that there were a couple times where I'd pick them up, throw them in the dryer with a bounce sheet, and I was like, on my way. <laughs> it's like, how did you get a girlfriend? It's like, uh, getting one really wasn't the problem, it was keeping one that was the problem. Um, then, uh, you could spend your money any way that you wanted. Uh, then I also remember this period of time when the cereal bowl and the dog bowl served double duty. You know, you're eating a bowl of cereal, you're watching Star Trek, and you're eating a bowl of cereal, and you don't finish all the Cheerios, a little bit of milk in the bottom, and there's some Cheerios there, and, and so the dog's there, and the dog's been staring at you for the last 15 minutes, 
So you're like, yeah. And then you put it down and the dog eats out of it. And then the funny thing is that the dog lasts up all the milk and then uses their tongue to clean off the side of the bowl. And then when you get it done, you're looking, it's like, that bowl looks pretty good to me, you know, <laughs> and go get yourself another bowl of cereal. And it's like, well, it's like you kiss your wife with that mouth. And it's like, but I'm telling you, that's the way you can roll. It doesn't matter. You just do that. I, you know, when you got a choice, you're standing at Best Buy and you're looking at this big screen TV and, and your apartment doesn't have any furniture in it. And you, ha- you decide that you'll buy three big bean bags because it's cheaper or a futon uh, so that you can get the big screen TV. You can go that way. That's just the way that you can roll. Um, everything about the day is about getting home and your buddies are coming over and you're going you're gonna to be gaming all night. And for me, when I was younger, it wasn't, it wasn't Call of Duty. It was a game called Risk, a board game about conquering the world. And we'd spend up all night, you know, and, and just, you know, we'd leave the board set up on the kitchen table for a week you know, and we'd all meet back, and, and that's the way life was. And then you met her. Oh, yes, you remember that moment. Your moment of something better comes into your life. All of a sudden, you're starting to comb your hair. Next thing you know, you're going to Kohl's, you're picking out a new shirt, you're getting some, some pants, you're, you're not hanging around with the same guys as much, or at least as that one guy that you hang out with you hope she doesn't meet because he really reflects the way that you came by. And so she comes into your life and then you come to this amazing realization. You discover that you can only keep her by traveling by another way. She's not going there. If you wanna keep her, she's not going there. You're going to have to travel by another way, all of a sudden, you got potpourri in your house. All of a sudden, you discovered you had a dishwasher all along. You know, you're all of a sudden cleaning up. You're shoving stuff under the bed that she can't see them and, and all this other stuff. You realize if this is going to work, you gotta travel by another way. And a lot of times, we want something better in our lives, but we still maintain the worst. Uh, we want something better, but we want the something better to get along with the something worse. And I, 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 since I've had the experience that there are some things that don't get along when you've got something better. You may hope your ex-wife and your current wife get along, but usually it doesn't happen. You may hope everybody plays together and, and you can have both these things in your life, but usually when you get something better in your life, You can't travel back by the same way, but we want that to happen. We wanna have a relationship with God. We want all the benefits of God. We want want God in our life, but we don't wanna travel by another way. We wanna be able to continue to go back the same way we were, but we just wanna add God to the apartment. But what we're finding out in this Christmas story is that in order to keep that good gift that has been freely given to us by God, by his grace, we gotta protect it. Uh, We gotta cherish it. We gotta care for it. And it will require us to change the way that we operate our lives. We'll have to travel by another way. God, something better moves us upward. It grows us inward and it heals us inward as well. It grows us in all these different ways, but we've got to decide that we're going to cherish this in our lives. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. When I was a single man, I spoke and thought and played like a single man. But when I grew up or when I started thinking something better, when I started something better in my life that was given to me by God, I put away childish ways behind me. I began to travel by another way. See, Mary and Joseph don't just, you know, uh, give birth to Jesus in Bethlehem and then hop on the donkey and headed back 
to Nazareth and continue on with their lives. This something better was going to require them to travel and to live by another way. So I'm gonna read this, this story, and this is not a part of the story that you normally hear read in a church on Christmas, because what you're going to hear is hard, difficult, murder, fleeing, running. You're gonna hear stuff that's like, wait a minute, my God, my Christianity, I thought if I went to church, I, you know, that you're gonna hear almost just the opposite of that in this story. And now when the Magi, Magi had left, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt I will call my son. And when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew, killed all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years of age and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel for those who have sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child, his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. See, now this is the difficult point. It's like, this is wild. Um, because they got something better and it causes them to run. They got something better and they had to flee to protective custody. See, um, my, the part that just blows my mind is that, that God would overcome so many obstacles at the virgin birth of Jesus. I mean, just biologically. I mean, that's a pretty big overcoming. I mean, he's got a, she's a virgin, she's going to have a child, and it's like, and then Jesus is born. Pretty amazing, star appearing, moving, not exactly sure from a, an astronomy standpoint how that all worked out, got some ideas. The magi coming, the appearance of the angels and all this stuff. I mean, all this supercharged, supernatural stuff. And then you would think, well, if it's God, it's gonna work right here. It's like, this is it, man. We got it from God. And God says, get up, you gotta run because Herod's gonna kill the child. And I don't know if, about you, but that kind of blows my mind that this incredible power that brought about this event then has to run for its life. I mean, the, it almost seems inconsistent to me, unless through the narrative is that God wants to give every one of us something free without our labor, without our work. He wants to give us this grace gift of something better and that heaven moves on earth to us. But then what the story is communicating is that if you value what heaven has given you, you'll run when you need to run. You'll do what you need to do to protect heaven in your marriage, in your family, in your life. Well, it's from God and it shouldn't be difficult. You know, could you see Mary just stop and say, wait a minute, Joseph, you know, if, you know, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. 
I mean, that's a Christian, that's a bogus Christian philosophy. It's really not a Christian philosophy, it's, but it's, it's a church philosophy. Well, if God wants to happen, it's gonna, God's gonna have to make it happen. It's like, well, no, there are some times when God says, hey, Joseph, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I know it's in the middle of the night. Get up. You need to get going. It's like, wait a minute. Cannot the God of heaven who gave me this child against all biological odds, can he not also protect the child? He's like, oh, no, I've given you heaven. Now we're gonna find out whether or not you want heaven. You're willing to fight for it. You're willing to, you're willing to flee from what's wrong, run towards what's right. You're willing to go through difficult things. You're willing to go through tough so that you can be tough to do something great. And I think that's where the American audience is like, uh, you know, I was just gonna try God for a little bit and see if it worked right here. If I could just keep continuing the way, going back the way that I'm going and, and just kind of see if, if God wants it to happen, it's gonna happen. That's not the philosophy that's emerging out of this story. You see, everything from heaven is a valuable gift. And some things from heaven are not always welcomed on planet Earth. Heaven will always be challenged by hell, always. If heaven comes into your life, I will tell you, hell will rise up against your life. It's like you didn't get saved just to be saved. You got saved into a fight, into a race, into a war, into a battle, into the promise will always require the response. There's no version of Christianity where the promise comes and then it just like bibbidi-bobbidi-boos all over you. It will always command and call for a response. The holy will always be resisted by the secular, always. If you're waiting for America or planet Earth to just fall in love with God and that everything about our culture becomes godish, it's not happening. I mean, Jesus says something to his disciples. Hey, listen, the world has hated me, the world's gonna hate you too. And Jesus pulled it off perfect. He said also, you are not of the world. You are not just a secular person. You're not just a person of biology. You are not just of this time or of this culture. See, in our story, it's Herod that represents the secular or secularism, as I'm gonna use this word. And you're like, well, I, you know, what is it? Well, secularism is an ideology that says that religion should never be involved with the ordinary social and political activities of a country or a life. Now, don't worry, I'm not gonna go sideways on you and turn this into a political conversation because, it, because we don't even need to go there. Secular, this secularism is the idea that you do God, and that's one thing, but don't bring it into your marriage. Don't bring it into your money. Don't bring it into your sex. Don't bring it into your, your, your language. Don't bring it, into, I mean, it's like, you gotta keep those things separate. You know, and there's your secular life and how you do business, you gotta do business this way. But then on Sunday, you do God this way. And that's what Herod wanted. Herod was like, listen, I'm all about Jesus, but he better not screw up my kingdom. He better not screw up my Jerusalem or my Israel. But when he realized that everything was being fulfilled by prophecy, it's like, oh yeah, if heaven comes to earth, it is going to screw with your life. And it should. I hope God screws with my life. Because you know, otherwise, you know all I am? Is I don't know, maybe some better evolved hominid or mammal or I mean, I'm just another person who's passing on the earth for 75 years, scratching the dirt, trying to make a name for myself, and then everybody forgets your name. Or something of heaven could come into my life and dynamically change who I am and my destiny, my belonging, my origin. That is worth fighting for. And that's exactly what Mary and Joseph are on a journey doing. 
Secularism says, hey, you know, church is good, but you know what? It's what the kids are doing today. Secularism in parenting is like, well, you know, all the 10-year-old boys have iPhones, so I don't want my 10-year-old life, my 10-year-old boy to feel weird, so I'm going to give him access to all the pornography on the world. He's a good boy. He won't, he won't look at it. I'm telling you, he is a good boy, and he will look at it because that's what good boys do. They are challenged by things in their lives. I'm not saying, first of all, let me clean that up. It's not saying it's good to look at pornography. I'm just saying that's what boys do. It's what girls do. It's what humans do. We gossip, we backbite, we fight, we war, we kill, we get jealous, we become covetousness. It's called secular. You need heaven to invade that. You really do. It's like, well, yeah, but they'll feel weird if they don't have a phone. Well, give them a fake one. Um, I don't know, just something, put software on the daggum thing. But dare to be different. And not just different for different, dare to fight for heaven. That may mean that you don't have Netflix. I don't have Netflix. You say, why don't you have Netflix? I have Amazon, but I don't have Netflix. Uh, Netflix is too much in it, it for me, because I'm a visual come out of porn guy. It's too close, man. It's just like half a click of this. And not only that, they have those previews that play. And as I, I, I can't, I'm not saying you can't, but I, I can't handle that. So I was like, yeah, we're not doing that. Disney, not too bad, you know. I just go right from there to Star Wars and then I watch my Star Wars, usually pretty good. Not a lot of compromise happening there for me. But you know what, it's like, wow, sounds like you're, you know, you should be a man of God. You shouldn't have a struggle with porn. You're a man of God. You shouldn't have to cancel Netflix. You should be able to handle it. No, I am a man of God and I'm still a man of God. Why? Because I flee when I know I'm supposed to flee. I drop what God tells me to drop and I pick up what he tells me to pick up. Yeah, but you look really weird not having Netflix at your house. Hey, listen, I've already had one failed marriage and I watched so many failed families. Most of us don't know what the heck we're doing. Most of us evolved apes. You know, we're, we're, we're not too impressive. You breathe God into us and all of a sudden there's something different going on. And that's what the Christmas story is. It's like, hey, I'm giving you heaven, but you're gonna have to take a hold of it, value it, protect it, safeguard with it, and it may call you to do some stuff that you don't wanna do. But we've secularized our marriages, our parenting, our thought lives. Um, we get Jesus and then we don't go home and go by a different way. So what is meant by another way? I'll tell you, this is it for me. It means valuing the word of God. And just kind of Jesus is the word of God, we're told in scripture. So kind of like visualize baby Jesus as they've got the word of God. And it's like, hey, you gotta value that. Joseph's not running to Egypt because he's gonna do a startup car carpenter job in Egypt. Like, hey, it really worked here in Nazareth and we're gonna, we're gonna branch out and open up a couple more franchises. No, he's running, he's losing money. Remember like COVID, he's losing money because the shop's closed down because he went after heaven and now he's running for his life and, and he's making this choice because I got the word of God. Let me ask you, are you valuing that? Are you valuing it? Do you care what God says? Are you walking in its truths? Are you applying them to every part of your life? I'm not faithful to my wife because I'm monogamous. I mean, I know you want me to be a better human being than you. I am not. I am not. It's like, I wanna lie and gossip and cheat. I wanna get high. I wanna do all of those things. And some of you are like, <sighs> <laughs> There are other churches with those pastors in them. We say, but why don't you do it? Because I am not willing to let Herod slew my life again. I want 
God's heaven more than I want my earth. I've already tried my earth and it ruined my life. I want his heaven. And every single day when I walk, wake up, I don't wake up and just do, 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 slip my feet off the thing. It's like, do, 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 serve Jesus today. You know, you know, like, boop, 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 boo. No, I wake up and it's like, I'm gonna fight hell today. I'm gonna fight Herod. I may find out that Herod's in my head, that I am my own Herod. I've got to make the choice that I'm going to let some things go and some things are going to get picked up. I'm going to make the choice that I'm going to have to leave stuff that I like and that feel good because I want heaven in my life. Was it all a free gift from God? Absolutely a free gift from God. Now, for Mary and Joseph, the journey is about how much do you really want this free gift? How much of heaven do you really want in your life? Are you willing to go by another way? I appreciate the bluntness of the moment in the Christmas story. When the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, I just took this part out, get up, take, go. Totally blunt. I'm not explaining it to you. Well, hey, Joseph, let me just tell you what's going on here. We're gonna, you know, let me, let me just tell you about all this fluffy stuff. And then, you know, hey, are you interested in being a part of it? If I could just get you to sign here, and this is gonna be, hey, I promise, this is all gonna work out just well for you. He's like, the angel wakes him up in the middle of the night, inconvenience, because the kingdom of God is inconvenient. I'm gonna tell you, it's not convenient to say no to some of the things that I wanna say yes to. Um, it's not convenient for me to forgive when I wanna blast somebody with my anger. Um, but he says, get up, take, and go. And Joseph pops right up and does it. Why? Is it because Joseph's a better person than the rest of us? No, because Joseph doesn't wanna give up what heaven is giving. I'm telling you, your marriage could be amazing. Your family could be amazing. And I don't care if it's already been screwed up. I'm telling you, there's an opportunity for it to be restored. But you're gonna have to get up and you're gonna have to take and you have to do what God is telling you to do. There's a time to act. There's a time to take the word of God into your life. There's a time to go. But most of us, most of us don't wanna be interrupted. Most of us don't wanna be told what to do. I don't, it's not any better, it's God, you know? But it's, most of us um, just don't wanna be inconvenienced. We want God to kind of come back home with us after church on Sunday, and then we go about talking to our spouses and our kids the exact same way and doing our own thing. Just know this, this may sound a little harsh, but Herod is going to strike and he's going to kill. And he's doing it today. He may be represented, you could say, well, is that the devil? Okay, let's say that. Is it your ideology? Let's say that. Is it a habit? Let's say that. But know this, that Herod will strike while you're sleeping. Meaning if God's told you to get up, wake up, and you choose to not do that, Herod will strike. Somebody will lose, somebody will die. And you may be right here today and your marriage is dying. Your family is falling apart. And God's like, listen, you keep sleeping on this, you're gonna die, it's gonna end. It's like, well, God, if you want it to get better, you're gonna have to make it better. Really? I died on the cross, rose on the third day, and promised you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you're gonna put this on me? Like, no, it's your time to get up. It's time for you to go, I will be with you, do what my word says. Herod's gonna wipe out somebody's family, but I'll tell you what, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, that ain't happening here. I've already lost one marriage, 
I've already been addicted once or twice. I've already screwed up so many things in my life. There's a point when I'm like, I'm gonna grab what heaven's offering and I'm gonna fight it. I'm gonna fight for it. I'm going to implement it. I'm gonna protect it in my life. So I, I love the bluntness of it. Solomon wrote this to his son. He said, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words, kind of reflecting how we're supposed to be thinking about God and his word. Don't let them out of your sight. It's like, wow, that's vigilant. Keep them within your heart. Please, I'm sorry, I'm fighting with this microphone. My, my head's just getting fatter as I get older. Um, don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. See, we're just walking, do to do do, watching what we watch, do to do do, doing what we do, listening to, befriending this, do to do do. And God's like, listen, you need to safeguard this word of mine in your heart. You need to safeguard your marriage. Paul, you, you don't need to be going to lunch with a woman. Say, well, can you go to heaven and have lunch with the opposite sex? Yeah, you can. You can. But you know what? This man does not need to be going to lunch with any other woman other than his wife. And you say, well, that's really narrow-minded of me. Yes, it is. Because I am so focused on heaven, I am not gonna let Herod strike me. It's like, wow, why? You have such a problem with women? Thank God I do. But in order to have what God has promised me, I've got to be willing to allow myself to not go by the way that I used to go. I've got to change the way that I live my life. Listen to him, he says, put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Still working on that one. Keep your eyes, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you Make level your feet, the path for your feet, and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Get up, take, and go. But won't just God make it all work out? That's not in the Bible. God causes all things to, to work together for good to those who are called to his, according to his purpose, to those who are walking in his ways, walking in his principles, being filled with his spirit, seeking his presence. I guarantee you, it works. I mean, I have done just about everything wrong and I'm here, why? Because it works. The gift of heaven is real and it works. But you gotta take it, you gotta get up, and you gotta go with it. But don't expect that it's just gonna, if it's God, it's just gonna happen. That's just a Christian version of French determinism, Rousseau. I mean, it's a, it's, that's just what that is. It's not Bible. Bible is we've been given Jesus, the word of God, and now fight a good fight. Run the race, pressing on, flee from youthful lusts fixing your eyes on the author and the perfecter of your faith, Jesus Christ. Take a hold of this free gift that has been given to us by God that neither, none of us could earn or achieve. None of us could accomplish this. But when you get a hold of it, man, make it the most valuable thing that you own in your life. Guard your heart. Set your mind on things that are above. Resist evil. Come out of secularism. Don't date one way and then church the other way. Let it permeate everything about you. I'm telling you, I'll mess up your life. I'm trading in a car because that's what I do. Um, like I said, I'm faithful to God, my wife, my children, my friends, my church. 
but not my car. I cheat on that thing anytime I'll trade it in. Well, I, I sold my car. This dealership bought it from me. And one of the questionnaires said, have you made any modifications to this car? Mechanical modifications to this car. And I'm like, uh, no, no, no modifications. Because once you say you made modifications, they lower the value of the car. I had space, went in spacers on this thing. So I went home, took off the spacers. It's like, you didn't have to take the spacers off. They would have never known. Yeah, they would have never known. But heaven demands that I deal honorably with my neighbor. I would have known. So what does that matter? It's because I want God's heaven, not my earth. There are so many ways you can get over on, your, on a dealership, on a spouse. Sure, you can fake stuff with your phone and delete your, your cookies and your, your history to make it look like to your wife that you never really looked at stuff. Yay, you got over. But you lost heaven. You know, I'm sorry I'm so, so intense about this today. But I wanted you to see that the Christmas story is not just about baby Jesus. There was death in this story. There was running in this story. There was murder in this story. And it's still today. I love what Solomon said, and, and it, let's close with this. And, and maybe it's less in your face, but it's still very much True, Proverbs 3, 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Trust in what heaven's given you. Trust in his word. Trust in this amazing something better. Don't lean to your own secular mind. It doesn't matter if you're from the ape or not. It doesn't matter if you're American or not, or white or not, or black or not, or male or not, or female or not. God's not calling you to lean to that. He's like, lean unto me. Bring the word of God into your life. Stop following the path around you. Start following the path that I have given you. In all your ways, acknowledge him. When you buy a car, when you hang in your Christmas lights, when you're talking to your kids, when you're on the phone, when you're at the water cooler. Okay, that sounded like an old soda fountain thing. When you're, when you're at work, whatever it is, acknowledge him in all your ways that you value the word of God. And he'll make your path straight. Now you may have to go through Egypt. And some of you are walking through Egypt. Guys, can I just tell you how crazy it is that they're back in Egypt? I mean, didn't this whole start about like thousands of years earlier with calling my people out of Egypt? Moses, you remember that story? That's a heck of a thing. We got Jesus in Egypt. Why? Why is that in the story? Why would he let them go back to Egypt? Because God wants you to know that if you found yourself back in the same old crap that you've been in before, you go back there with Jesus, you'll come out of it something different. And just because you've got Jesus doesn't mean you aren't going to have to face the Herods and the Egypts of your life. But know this, that he who began a good work in you, as you partner with him, will be faithful to complete that work. So you may be in the worst place of your life right now. The job hasn't worked out. The marriage doesn't work out. I love it. Mary, if you had told Mary, the angel shows up and says, Mary, you're, you will be pregnant with a child. The, the Holy Spirit will come over you and you'll be, you'll be uh, the child that will be born to you will be my son. And, and then by the way, you're going to be moving to Egypt and you'll be there for at least five years and then this, whatever. It'd be like, oh, well, wait, wait a minute. We're going to Egypt? 
Your life will take you places you didn't know that you were going. But just know this, if you value the word of God and you take them to those dark places, it will change your life. So you may be sitting here and you might have just failed. Take Jesus into your failure. Allow, take that, take Jesus there. We don't just take Jesus to our perfect spaces. We take Jesus to our bad spaces too. But if you'll value God, if you'll value his word in your darkest places, if you will grab a hold of it, get up and do what he tells you to do, I'm telling you, you'll come out of Egypt and you'll end up right where he wants you to be. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you gave everything so that we could have heaven. And Lord God, you didn't just give us heaven and say, hey, good luck. See ya. You gave us your Holy Spirit. You gave us your word. And you gave us a promise. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So God, today you are like the angel that appeared to Joseph at night and said, hey, it's time to get up. It's time to go. There are forces in this world that want to kill what I'm doing in your life. It's time for you to protect it. Run towards me flee from evil it's time for you to value my word above all things I'll make it work out even if you're in Egypt Father as we receive communion this communion is to remind us that no matter what Egypt we find ourselves in if we bring the word of God into it and walk it live it, protect it. We will be transformed. All things will be made new. So today, Lord God, we not just return to the Christmas story. We return 